Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. We'll get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio is going to take it for a touchdown. for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Barth. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Hey guys, and welcome into another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pegnata, with you guys as always. And we are back on the 2024 recruiting trail, and how could we not be? Carolina, one of the hottest teams on the trail this week. Uh, I know well, three-star prospects. A lot of people are probably going to say, well, how excited should we be? But Carolina continuing to stack up, uh, you know, commitments in this class. And while Carolina may ultimately not finish inside of the top 10 or 15, just based off of the average rating of some of the guys that they are bringing in, there is no doubt that Carolina is bringing in a lot of guys in this class. It's part of, you know, what I think is them trying to sort of overhaul the group, especially on the defensive side of the football uh, that was there, that was recruited by Jay Bateman, trying to get guys that sort of fit more of what uh, Gene Chizik and his staff wants. So, uh, you know, Carolina just continuing to bring these guys in. And we're going to break down the three guys. That's right. Three consecutive days Carolina has landed a recruit uh, that was on campus this past weekend. So Carolina is really doing some great work on the recruiting trail. And you know what that means. It's time to bring in Zach Hubbard, our recruiting analyst, to do just that. Zach, three commitments in three days for Carolina. And really, we sort of talked about this in the last edition last week when we were setting up this weekend, and it really grew even more as we got closer to Friday. This 
quite quietly sort of became the biggest week for Carolina. When we were previewing the month before um, it started back in late May, we said, look, that final week, as it usually is for most teams, is going to be the most important. But Zach, I feel like the you had 11 uncommitted guys, really, as, as I put in the article that I, I wrote, um, ranking, ranking, you know, the guys that Carolina had the best chance to land. Um, I, I really thought there was only one of the guys that was on campus that Carolina really had no shot with. Uh, and, and I think we're starting to see just how lucrative this weekend has been for Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned, that last official visit weekend in June uh, does look still to be a very good one with uh, numerous high-profile, um, both in-state and out-of-state prospects getting on campus. Uh, really specifically for that weekend, a lot of um, wide receivers and defensive backs. But this weekend, as we discussed in the last edition, was sort of looking to be a, a very sneakily good defense. And I mean, with three commitments in the last few days, it's hard to really argue with those results. And it seems like they've made um, some some really good impressions with some other guys that, um, you know, were there over the weekend that have not announced an announcement as of yet in terms of their commitment, might not for some time. But it, it really seems like when we, you know, if we sort of look retrospectively at this weekend, that it was a very, very positive uh, weekend on the trail for North Carolina. And, you know, we could see a number of these guys past uh, those that we've already seen from this weekend uh, announced their commitment to North Carolina and what could be the very near future. Yeah. And that's the thing. And it could even involve somebody, you know, tomorrow that will end up committing. I mean, look, one of the things that we've seen throughout this week from Carolina's recruiting staff and not just talking about the coaches that are on the staff, but of course, Carolina has other you know, members of the staff that are sort of behind the scenes recruiting people. A lot of people probably know Alex White's name, um, but there are a lot of other people that are involved back there as well. And you've seen them sort of after each commitment tweet out, not done just yet. And I saw another one of those again today. So it really makes you wonder. I really do think there are a lot of guys that, uh, you know, that either wanted to commit, maybe Carolina is holding out. I, I still think, you know, just seeing, you know, there was an article that was written today by Don Callahan of Inside Carolina. And usually when Don writes an article about somebody describing their official visit, uh, it probably means that they're not going to commit sometime soon. If he knows that they're going to, he's not going to write an article about that where they're at in their uh, recruitment because it's pretty much just inevitable that they're waiting on a commitment. So a guy like Tavani Mizell, which, you know, we've seen Kentucky's gotten hot with him. He's probably going to take his official visit there and it's going to take him a little time to make a decision. Not saying Carolina doesn't have a shot, still think they have a real good shot there. Uh, but, you know, guy like Jalen Thompson as well. I wrote about this in the article the other day. I said, look, I think Jalen Thompson is probably one of those guys that would commit to Carolina on the spot over the weekend. But I really do wonder if Carolina said, look, we've got other guys at that safety position that we really like. We're going to try to make a run at those. Let's kind of put this this guy, you know, on on the back burner for just a second make sure that we still make a really good impression and, you know, have him as another option that 
you know, we can bring into that room if things don't go the way that we want to with some of these other guys. Um, but I still think there are there's a group of guys that I, I still think Carolina could be getting a commitment from. I, I really think, you know, Tyshawn White, we haven't heard anything, you know, around him after that visit. He was a guy that came in really high on Carolina. But there are three guys that we know of that are committed. And we'll go in order here uh, of the guys, you know, who uh, announced their commitment. And it started on Sunday. Uh, the you know uh, the uh, most of the official visits wrapped up uh, it's three days I know there was one guy I'm forgetting which player it was uh which target it was I should say uh that came in early um and did the eighth through the tenth but the majority of the guys that were on campus 10 of them uh they you know went from Friday through Sunday and one of those guys was Carlos Mitchell uh the three-star athlete out of the state of Florida and Carolina landed his commitment the other day and at the time when Carolina landed his commitment that meant that the Tar Heels had five players from the state of Florida committed to a class that had 15 commitments so a third of their commitments came from one of the most lucrative states in the country and uh you know Zach, this is another one of those guys that, you know, I don't know how much a lot of people really know about him. I think he's, you know, probably one of the, you know, one of those guys that's more highly regarded than some of the unranked guys that Carolina has landed at times before they eventually do become ranked. But I I, I do think Carolina got a really solid uh, young prospect here. Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned, another guy from Florida and one that, you know, sort of people that follow uh, Florida specifically sort of Central and South Florida recruiting really spoke pretty highly of him and his potential. When you when you throw on the film, it does look like a guy that sort of is a guy that currently plays both ways, plays wide receiver and defensive back. And that sort of shows up up in his film i mean you put on the highlight film and obviously it's highlight film you're going to show you know the best most exciting plays but it is you know interception after interception out of after interceptions there there's clearly an identity of you know going after the football as as a defensive back uh being a ball hawk as they call them and that that's something that we've touched on in previous years of of things that we want to see you know from defensive backs moving forward uh, not only on campus current athletes, you know, in the Tar Heel program, but also just for the future of how important, um, you know, turnovers, interceptions, fumbles are, and how much of that is a mentality of I'm going to go get the football, I'm going to make a play on the ball. So that's really good to see. And there's just good overall athleticism that you see sort of from his from his frame, from his speed, how he gets, you know, down the field in a hurry once he has that football uh, listed at about 5'11", 190. So, you know, for some people being under six foot, that's going to be a little bit of an issue. Uh, I don't think it's a huge, huge issue. I, I think he'll likely play probably cornerback, maybe outside. There's potential he could play, you know, that sort of, uh, nickel or star position, whatever you want to call it, is sort of that fifth defensive back. I feel like he could have a pretty good career there. We'd sort of have to see how he does uh, playing the run 
to get a, a better idea there. So it might be an idea of, you know, wait to see with him at this time. But I think just his overall profile as an athlete and, and as a guy that's going to make plays on the football uh, shows a lot to be encouraged by as it relates to him as a defensive back prospect. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. You look at, you know, the size, 5'10", 160, pretty small guy and he's gonna you know maybe have to add a little bit more weight but at 510 I mean it's real tough to sort of figure out if he's a guy that can play on the outside because normally looking at that height you would say well probably not you typically want your corners to be above six foot if they're going to play on the outside but this is what the last two classes have kind of been for Carolina at the cornerback spot they've, they've gone with some smaller guys so I think we have to see. I will say this. One of the things that I really like about his film from the defensive side of the football is I I love the fact that he plays close to the line of scrimmage. I love the fact that he wants to be physical with receivers uh, as as they're trying to get, you know, off the line of scrimmage. That's that's something that is lacking from this Toriel team. We we've talked about it at just you know, just about every other aspect of this defense is that they want physicality. Well, part of that can be with your corners at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, the frustrating part for Carolina this past year was we saw a lot of times where guys were, especially the corners, but you saw it even with, with, with your, your star position. Um, and even when safeties, you know, would, would have to pick up uh cover, you know, one-on-one -on -one coverage, they were playing way off of guys. And part of that is the Gene Chizik system. It's very Tampa 2 based. But the other part of that is that you don't have the guys up front that can handle that. And you don't have the corners that I think are used to playing that style. Now, I thought Tony Grimes was that type of guy. I mean, I remember seeing him back in high school and that was the style that he played. Um, so is that a Gene Chizik system thing? Is that simply not having the right guys there and trying to, as as he said when he first came in, limit the explosive plays? We'll have to see. This is a guy, though, that can kind of do both. He can drop, you know, he, he can play in off coverage. He's got the speed to close. There's no question about that. That's one of the first things that I noticed when you turn on his film is the offensive side of the ball, special teams, the defensive side of the ball, no matter what, that speed shows up. And on the defensive side, it, it really shows up when he's closing on the football. And, and that's the thing that I think people should be excited about, because if you're going to play a lot of zone coverage, even if you're going to play a lot of off man, you have to be able to break on the football. Well, it felt like Carolina didn't have those types of guys this past year, but Mitchell could sort of fit that billing. And as you mentioned, he's a guy that played on both sides of the football. He was, I mean, and ex I mean, as explosive a receiver as you're going to find in the state of Florida, he averaged 29.1 yards per catch and believe it or not, as a sophomore the year before, he averaged even more per catch. So he's a guy that didn't get the football a ton, but when he did, he made huge plays. Uh, love him as a route runner. Uh, and I, and I, I think that that's one of the other things. That's when, when I talked about a guy with a lot of upside, one of the things I like the most is that this is a guy that if he doesn't succeed at corner, which is where Carolina is looking at him right now, 
He's a guy that can move over to the offensive side of the ball and could be a factor there. That's what you're looking for when you go out and find guys that are athletes. If they can't help you at one spot, if it doesn't work out there, could they be a guy that could eventually move to another spot and help you there? We've seen it, you know, the last couple of years, especially under Mac Brown. He's done a great job of that. Moving a guy like Chaz Surratt to linebacker this year, guy that is going to make that move from running back to safety, DJ Jones. So uh, that that's always something that I think is an added bonus. And then special teams wise, I mean, this dude was unbelievable. He averaged 38 yards per kick return, 43 yards per punt return, and took at least one of one of those for a touchdown uh, in both categories. So uh, a guy that literally just affects every part of the game. I'll be interested to see, you know, what Carolina ends up doing with him. And the hope is he can get on the field because, as you mentioned, the turnovers are the big thing. He had eight interceptions a year ago. I, I get it. If you watch the, if you go back and watch the highlights, it's a, a lot of it is, you know, just horrible throws at times. Um, but the fact that you're still taking away the football, the fact that you're still changing momentum and doing it as often as he did it, it you, you can't underscore that. And Carolina needs those guys that have the nose for the football. That's what worked the first time when Gene Chizik was here back in 2015. They have to be able to do it again. Now, Zach, the ultimate question here is, is that with him being a corner, you know, what does this do for the outlook of the cornerback spot? I mean, I know Carolina had another guy that was on campus this weekend for an official visit uh, in Trajan Greco. Do you think that this means that Carolina is done at the cornerback spot or should they still keep looking? Because I, I, I'm kind of in that department, especially with how many question marks you've had there over the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at it from a few different factors. You have a guy committed already before you got Carlos Mitchell and Khalil Conley that could potentially play corner, maybe play, you know, sort of a, a of a, you know, coverage safety role. Uh, but unsure there. Um, obviously, you have guys that you're going to have come in in that last weekend, as we already mentioned, that are corners. So it would make sense, at least from what we see there and how they've scheduled these official visits that, you know, they're going to at least try with some of these other guys. They're going to get, you know, quite a number of these guys. And then you just look at the overall makeup of the position as it stands on campus. Obviously, you've gotten a few guys over the past few years, but had to go in the portal to sort of, you know, fill out depth this past off season. Those guys are not going to be around forever from there. You sort of have to figure things out. So, you know, trying to, you know, get more than one to two corners, even going to, you know, two to three, I, I, I don't find that to be, you know, wholly unreasonable. So I think that they're going to continue to recruit guys at the position, both guys that were on campus, you know, in the past couple weekends, and then, you know, guys that they have coming in. Uh, they're going to keep sort of seeing where they can get there, making decisions, seeing what their options are. I think that they're going to be a little bit more selective moving forward. They're probably going to, you know, survey all of their options before they accept any other commitment. But who's to say? I mean, a sort of the identity of Mac Brown as a recruiter throughout his career has been – you know, if there's guys that want in and are ready to come and meet that sort of base threshold, they've been, you know, pretty ready to accept those commitments. So they have not been um, they've not been wholly 
unwilling to sort of let guys that have that, um, you know, that have that drive to be a Tar Heel, you know, not make commitments. So it, it, it's really hard to say who that's going to end up being, if anyone. But I, I do think that they're going to keep that cornerback position specifically open as it relates to recruiting in 2024 moving forward. Yeah, I think this is definitely a spot where they're going to take at least one more guy. I think it could be multiple depending on who wants to come. Um, I think, like you said, Conley to me is a safety. From watching his his highlight tape, I just think the the way he flies around the field – um, you know, the way the way he plays the run game, I, I think he's he's more fit to be a safety. Um, Mitchell, I, I could really see him being a guy that that can play that star position. You mentioned, you know, we have to see a little more of him in terms of run defense. I mean, there were some clips on there that I was I was pretty impressed of from him. I, I thought he did a really good job of fighting through blocks. Uh, I thought he was a really solid tackler, took good angles to the football, wrapped up really well. So I think there's some potential there, and that speed will definitely help him. Um, so I, I I think they're probably in the market to get another guy that's a more traditional outside corner, and that's Greco, 6'2", 180. Uh, that he he certainly fits that bill. If you go back and watch his high school film, I mean, he's the definition of an outside corner. That's what you want. Uh, and and I think you know, then you're talking about some of the elite prospects, guys like Zion Ferguson, who we've talked about. You know, we don't really know exactly where Carolina stands, but it feels like Carolina is is closer to being able to flip him than some of the recruiting analysts want you to believe. He's a four-star prospect. Jameer Grimsley out of uh, Tampa Catholic in, in Tampa, Florida, was on campus in the first weekend. That one seems like a long shot, but you never really know. And that's that's the same category that Jalen Crawford fits into, who will be visiting in the final weekend of the month. Uh, he, he's you know one of those guys that when he popped up, when Carolina w- w- was a team that landed an official visit from him, I was like, uh, really? This doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. It honestly made me wonder, is, is there a teammate that's coming along with him? But it doesn't appear like... Uh, his high school teammate, Antonio White, is going to come with them. Uh, Carolina doesn't look like they're in that race. So, But those guys, especially Crawford and Grimsley, those are guys where, look, if they are interested, you're taking their commitments. They fit into that elite prospect where you create room for them. Um, they, they fit in that category. Ferguson, I, I think he's worthy of that as well. Um, but I think the other thing is here, like a guy like Greco, Trajan Greco, I think I know he's got a visit to Kansas on the weekend of the 23rd. He's one of those guys where, look, if Zion Ferguson does end up flipping, that could be what takes your spot. So if you're Greco, I think you got to think long and hard about this here because I don't know if Carolina is going to take more than two guys at that spot after what they did this past year on the recruiting trail. All right, let's move to the second commitment for Carolina. And this one, this one, there, there's a couple, there, there's another element to this one that I think is very, very interesting. Uh, and the first, you know, first thing, what in regards to the 24 class is Carolina lands three-star linebacker Cruz Law out of CPA in Nashville. Um guy that Carolina got off to a really, really strong start with back in the winter. Things quieted down a little bit 
during the spring, but they really started to turn things up again here recently. And now afterwards, we find out why that has happened. Inside Carolina wrote about it yesterday. This was something I didn't know uh, as well, but the three schools that he was taking official visits to were schools that were willing to take not only him, but a commitment as a preferred walk-on from his brother Cade. And so Carolina gets both Cruz and Cade. Cade Law, a guy that was a quarterback prospect, uh, landed at Vanderbilt, but spent this past year on the baseball team as a catcher. He entered the transfer portal back in April uh, and is leaving behind baseball to pursue a career in football. He's going to be a linebacker just like his brother. He will be there this year as a preferred walk-on, actually will join the team here in the summer and you know push for a role on Carolina this year as a backup. But when you talk about Cruz Law, you know, this one, uh, th- this is another guy – Zach, that I think, you know, continues to solidify that linebacker room. They've been saying how they need depth there. You've got Evan Bennett already committed in this class. You brought in two inside linebackers, a third if you count Michael Short in there as well. Uh, So Carolina really starting to take care of that linebacker room, a room that had become pretty thin over the last couple of years behind some of their star players. Yeah, absolutely. So like you mentioned, I mean, depth has been a, a point of emphasis, not only, you know, for the roster overall, but for this class specifically, they want to add bodies at this position, uh, at least two, if not three. And, you know, they already had a guy committed in Evan Bennett out of Georgia and then got another one here in Cruz Law um, alongside his brother as a walk-on. Uh, when you look at uh, Cruz specifically sort of as the incoming freshman prospect, um, and specifically at linebacker listed at about 61218 some people may have concerns with the size and and you sort of see that on film he's he's not exactly a big guy yet but it was very very encouraging film despite that early impression of just he is a quick guy and you know a lot of people hear that and that that sort of is a layered term a lot of times in sort of evaluation but he is a guy that sudden he gets from point a to point b very quickly uh specifically coming you know downhill shooting gaps i think he's pretty pretty effective as a blitzing linebacker obviously with that size it's going to need to continue to build bulk and build strength to sort of get off those blocks but you know if he can get into the backfield he is erasing whatever angle you know a quarterback or a running back has to sort of get outside the pocket he is eliminating that very very quickly so even if he adds you know 10 15 pounds you're still going to see a good deal of that so very very encouraging film from a guy that probably is going to need you know, a year or two to sort of build up towards the college game. But I I think has a really good, um, you know, sort of uh, base skill set to build upon and and really, really be a guy. If they they let him loose, I think he's going to be a really, really big weapon for them um, as a linebacker. Now, I do want to see, mainly because I didn't see a ton of it on film, what he looks like as you know, as a pass defender, what's his coverage like? And that that's pretty standard for a lot of these guys. You know, with the high school offenses, it, it, it's not a given that you're going to see a ton of pass defense, uh, specifically where the linebacker is lined up, either near 
um, you know, sort of the first down marker or in the middle of the field, you're not going to see a ton of that. Uh, you'll see a lot of short passes near the line of scrimmage and you'll see a lot of deep balls just because that's what, you know, the majority of high school quarterbacks can throw, but we don't see a ton of that on this film. That's not his fault, uh, but that's just, you know, where he's at. So, you know, we will have to see how that develops. I, I think that's sort of going to be a part of his, you know, first year or two developmental curve. But just from that sort of perspective of this is a guy that flies around and, and you know, really gets after a, a ball carrier, I think that's very, very encouraging and, and exactly what you want to see from a guy that you want to have rebuild your linebacker room. Yeah, he's he's the definition of an old school linebacker. If he played in the mid 2000s, this dude would be a stud. He would be able to come in and probably play a pretty significant role right away. Because when I first turned on his film, I thought to myself, why is this kid not ranked higher? But you pointed out what the biggest concern with him is is going to be. He almost never drops into coverage. And I got about midway through his highlight tape. And, and look, he, there were probably more reps of him dropping into coverage. But I got about midway through it, and I finally saw one clip of him dropping into coverage. Now, it was him eventually reacting and making a play on the quarterback who was scrambling. But you saw you saw why he doesn't drop all that often. Um, incredibly, incredibly stiff in the hips. I mean, a guy that's going to get run by um, and is going to have trouble defending the middle of the field. And look, that's something that can be fixed. He is athletic. There is no doubt about that. Um, but just, I mean, there's multiple clips of him chasing down guys in the open field. Um, chasing down quarterbacks on rollouts uh, where he blitzed. I mean, th this guy has the athleticism. He has the the raw speed to be able to make plays. But I that that's the one thing that they they have to get figured out with him is can he drop into coverage? I love everything else about him. You mentioned guy that plays downhill. Carolina needs those types of linebackers that are willing to get in there and get dirty. A guy that, you know, this past year, yeah, he had six and a half sacks. That was the most on the team. Also led his team in tackles for loss. He did that out of a middle linebacker spot or an inside linebacker spot. Um, it, it's it's a guy that just because of how much he blitzed and how aggressive he was, he was able to make plays on the quarterback. Now, yeah, the level of physicality is definitely going to take a step up at the next level. I don't really question that with him. I thought when he met ball carriers, I, he hit you hard. And we don't have a lot of those types of players right now for Carolina. Um, you've got some guys that are really, really talented, even the linebackers that they have now. I mean, we've seen moments from Power Eccles, but really it, it Cedric Gray, not a guy that's going to hit you hard, but a really, really technically sound tackler. So to have a guy that sort of brings that physical edge that you know will level you if if he gets a good enough angle on you. That's what you kind of want. But at the same time, while he is a downhill type of player, he has the ability to play sideline to sideline. He can cover a lot of space really quickly. Um, he takes really good angles to the football as well. Very smart player. And I, I another guy that I, when I watched him, I thought, man, this dude, he's you know not 
making risky tackles, a guy that wraps up really, really well. So I, I really think this is a guy that you should be pretty excited about. The problem is, is that it's going to take him time because the coverage, that is such a huge part of what Carolina does. I just talked earlier about Gene Chizik, Tampa 2-style defense, a lot of zone. That means they use their linebackers in coverage. I mean, look at this past year. This past year, they barely blitzed their linebackers. And I don't know if that's going to change. For the success of this defense, I think it has to. But I, it, I don't know if that's what Gene Chizik necessarily wants to do. So you're going to have to have the ability to drop into coverage. You're going to have to have the ability to hold your own against – you know, inline tight ends, but also those guys that split out and those athletic tight ends when you're covering the middle of the field in zone defense. That was something that Carolina struggled so much with this past year. So this that's the one thing with him that concerns me a little bit. But overall, I I, I really like that. And in terms of his brother, I, that's a flyer. You're taking a flyer on a guy. I mean, look, he he was a talented prospect coming out, and it seems like football family, maybe him being with his brother, you know, can unlock some things. But you're talking about a guy that's got to learn a new position. Now, I did mention earlier that there was a guy that converted from quarterback to linebacker that Carolina had a lot of success with in Chad Surratt. So this isn't the first time that Tommy Thigpen will be doing this. But – you know, expectations, I think, can be tempered there. It, it's a it, it's somebody that's going to be there to help you this year uh, where you, you need some depth, especially with the amount of youth that you have there at that position. And frankly, I mean, just the, the lack of depth behind uh, the guys that are there right now. I mean, we know Sebastian Cheeks is there. You've got the two freshmen that are going to slot in. But other than that, there really isn't anything. Then it gets to the walk-on. So, uh, I, I think he does bolster you in that department. Now, in terms of the linebackers, Zach, this now means you know that Carolina has two commitments, and I think a lot of people are wondering, is this it? Now, there are a couple of guys that are still out there. The one that I wonder how this affects is Ashton Woods, uh, now three-star. He was a four-star for a while, but now three-star prospect uh, out of the state of Georgia. He is more of your typical in-the-box, downhill-type player. James Nesta, I've, I know there were some people asking about him. He's more of an edge rusher type. They list him as a linebacker, but he's probably going to play more off the edge. What do you think this does in terms of those two guys? Do you think it really affects Carolina's recruiting of them? Uh, in terms of Ashton Woods specifically, I, I think it does have an effect depending on how many uh, guys at this position North Carolina wants to take. Uh, you know, m most of the time they're going to take two, uh, which is usual because it, in the majority of scenarios, uh, not only with modern defenses, with three, four defenses, and then just with the defense that we've seen thus far – the majority of the, of the time, you know, in sort of a, a base, quote unquote, base nickel defense, you're going to have two off ball or middle linebackers on the field. Um, you know, this past year, Power Eccles and Cedric Gray were those two. Uh, so more often than not, in a given recruiting cycle, you're just going to take 
two guys at that position to sort of be, you know, your quote unquote tandem for that year. Um, and that's not always been the case. Obviously, that fluctuates year over year. It's not always the case, but it's just a, a general rule of thumb. Um, so with that being said, obviously, as we've discussed here, it's a position they want to continue to add bodies at. It's not one that they, you know, feel like they have a ton of established depth at. So who could say that they don't add, you know, a third if Ashen Woods wants to commit? But that's really the question as well. Is this one where he wants to be, you know, guy number three in this, uh, you know, three guy linebacker group for 2024? I don't know. I, I think that'll still be sort of an ongoing discussion at this point, not only how North Carolina recruits him, but how Ashton Woods reacts to having this spot taken. Because even if he still has a, a spot available, that is another body at his position in this class. That's always going to be a consideration in terms of what his decision is. Now, like you mentioned with James Nesta, I, I don't think that this would be, um, you know, something that would affect his recruitment per se. He is more of an edge guy. That's where I think he's going to play. Um, I, I think if anything, probably a, a guy that we're going to mention a little bit later on is more of a factor in terms of whether uh, James Nesta could eventually choose North Carolina or not in terms of, um, you know, that spot is is because he's playing that edge position and there's going to be limited, not only limited defensive line spots, but limited edge rusher spots. I mean, you can't have all edge rushers. You got to add some of those interior guys as well. So uh, for James specifically, no, I don't think that um, Cruz Law affects his spot per se. Uh, but I think we're going to discuss, you know, the potential there for another guy a little bit down the road here. Yeah, well, let's talk about him right now. And that is another in-state guy listed as an athlete, but he is an edge rusher. And when I, when I watch, th this is so similar to Malachi Hamrick. Um, a guy that was incredibly productive in at the high school level, and you wonder how it's going to translate over. And you know, with Malachi Hamrick, there's there's still you know a lot of time left in his Tar Heel career. Uh, he, of course, you know, isn't going to play this year. Suffered the season-ending injury, um, but guy that Carolina just landed today, three-star athlete Curtis Simpson. Uh, he resembles him a lot. Man, and you know, this is something that Carolina has seen a lot of here recently. Guys that come in with the length that they need, but guys that do have some weight that need to be added to their frames. And that's what this pickup is. A guy that's you know, six four, two hundred pounds, puts up a lot of production at the high school level. Um, but is going to need to sort of change his body a little bit when he gets uh, to you know, to college in order to be effective. Um, you know, uh, first thing for him that that may, that jumped off to me speed. Uh, just a guy that absolutely flies when he gets out of his stance. And I'm going to tell you right now, his first step is probably about as good as anybody in this class. And I think part of that is because he's just that good of an athlete. Those are things that when you add to his frame, you're going to want to make sure that they are still there. But I, I mean, when you talk about production, he had 74 total tackles a year ago. 36 of those were for a loss and 23 of them 
or sacks. And the 23 sacks, that ranks 20th in the entire country in all of high school football and uh, did rank third in the state of North Carolina. Really, the thing with him is, is it's just that that size is what is preventing him from being a more highly rated prospect. Um, and the other thing that I thought really stood out to me about him was I thought he was a guy that, yeah, he relied almost solely on the speed to beat guys. I thought he had some some good technical moves that he went to from time to time. I thought one thing that he did really well was he, he was able to keep the offensive linemen from really getting their hands on him um, and, and really forcing him to try to be more physical. But that's something that he probably is going to have to do at the next level against Offensive linemen that are going to move a lot better than the guys that you're playing. Granted, second highest level in the state of North Carolina, but it's not necessarily the same even as it used to be uh, with the new classifications. Um, it's I, I think a lot of potential here, but he's a guy that I think you're going to have to be patient with in that edge rusher room. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I mean, I... I really not to sort of uh, believe the point. I really agree with a lot of what you said in terms of that. A, a guy that uh, is very comparable to Malachi Hamrick coming out of high school. And, you know, it, this is not uncommon for guys that we're seeing now at the high school level of, you know, having sort of that requisite length and frame and then initial burst of speed, but just needing to add weight to their frame as they get to the college level. And that's going to be really the uh, be all end all of Curtis Simpson at the college level. Like you mentioned, just incredible speed getting off really can't speak highly enough of it. I think that in and of itself is going to affect his ranking moving forward as more people see him, whether that be, you know, with his senior year of high school at the camp circuit, wherever, wherever they see him, they're going to see that initial burst. And that as sort of a projectable, uh, skill that's just natural uh, genetics it is going to really be something that's going to catch people's eye it's really just going to be about the development in terms of can he add the weight can he still produce at that level with that weight that's going to be a question but that's a gamble that you want to take you want to take guys that sort of have those those natural traits and, and and sort of roll the dice and see what you can figure out from there in terms of what they can be at the next level but like you mentioned, is a guy that is extremely productive at the high school level. I mean, regardless of, you know, the classification where you're playing, 23 sacks is 23 sacks. I mean, that 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 is going to stand off the page really to anyone. So I, I think he is certainly a very promising pickup. He's a guy similar to Malachi Hamrick where it's going to take time to develop. And similar to, you know, Cruz law that we discussed a, a moment ago it's going to be a guy that you know you're you're not going to say hey he's going to push for starting reps in his freshman year that's probably not going to be the case with Cruz that's probably not going to be the case with Curtis Simpson just based on that size issue but I, I really like this pickup sort of from a long-term developmental arc and I think that's sort of been uh the the theme but there's a theme not only for these you know these three recent pickups but just for the class overall mm -hmm. is there's a lot of upside here they're they're not really getting you know the four and five star guys that we've seen previously but even with those pickups they had been you know somewhat of a mixed bag some good some guys you know that didn't produce some that transferred out so you know stars as we 
or rankings, as we've discussed, are not the be all end all. You know, it is only the start of the process. It's going to be dependent on development. I think that's going to be the case for North Carolina moving forward is how they develop these guys in the weight room, how they develop them Mm -hmm. on film and sort of learning the defense, how they scheme things up. But I think that, you know, really amongst all these prospects that we've discussed today, Curtis Simpson, I think just because of that overall burst, there's a lot to like there and there's a lot of projectability uh, given good development, given good strength and conditioning that we can see as a potential high performer at the college level. Yeah, and I I, I think, you know, when you talk about the guys that they have brought in really for this Jack linebacker position, um, I, I think this is probably one of the things they're trying to do with that spot is they're trying to take the approach of let's find guys that have the speed to win off the edge. Because we tried to find these guys that at the high school level won with physicality or, you know, again, at least we thought they won with physicality. Now it may have just looked like they were overpowering guys. But, I mean, look, you've seen it the last few years. The first guy that was supposed to fit this mold that hasn't really panned out, played with a physical edge in high school, really didn't win because of his speed, Des Evans. And you've seen how that's worked out. Um, I mean, you call it what it is. Right now, it's it's a failed experiment. It has not worked. And now you're seeing three consecutive classes, very, very similar types of players that are coming in for Carolina. It started with Malachi Hamrick. And, you know, with him, there's there's more versatility to him. He played middle linebacker in his final year of high school. That came in handy last year when Carolina had a lot of injuries. Uh, at one point at the linebacker position, he was able to come in and play there. So for him, I mean, yeah, if he ends up moving there, wouldn't shock me. But still, extremely productive edge rusher, but a guy that's on the slider side wins with speed. Same thing with a guy like Tyler Thompson, one with speed at the high school level. Thinner guy, 6'5", 215, or 6'4", I think, 215. Jabron Harvey, a little bit more weight on him, but still tall, lanky guy. And now you add Curtis Simpson to that. Now, I think Simpson probably a little more projecting with him um, because even with those guys, you saw, you know, that them take on double teams. That's another thing I noticed with Simpson um, that honestly just left me scratching my head. And I, I know Kings mountain. I'm, I'm, I live in the Charlotte area, a lot of talent there, especially in the last few years. That's, you know, Carolina has dipped into there. Kobe Pesor is the name that most people probably know. Um, but I kind of wondered why was he not faced with more double? Why weren't they throwing something at a guy that was just this special? And so I wonder how he would handle something like that. Now he probably wouldn't see a bunch of that at the college level, at least not early in his career. Um, But I think this is, this is part of Carolina really trying to make that Jack position, a position that, is going to win pass rushing reps with speed because they've tried winning it with physicality. The guys up front simply cannot do it. So why not try the approach of get these these quick edge guys that can just beat tackles around the edge consistently and at least get some pressure on the quarterback? We'll see if it pays off. 
And this is one of those guys that I think will continue to help build that room. And that's the other thing with the Jack linebacker room. You're talking about a room that right now it simply doesn't have a ton of long-term stability. Um, it's got the depth. It's got the bodies in there. But there's a reason why Carolina, each of the last two years now, uh, has gone into the transfer portal to land a guy to play that position. Last year was Noah Taylor. This year it's Amari Gaynor. And so I think this is an opportunity for Simpson to come in there. And look, he may not be a guy that contributes right out of the gate in year one, but he's a guy that could establish himself as someone that will eventually contribute there. It really does feel wide open. And in this day and age, the other thing is you got to recruit a bunch of guys to these positions to make sure that the room doesn't run into a depth issue because of the transfer portal. Now you mentioned it. This is where James Nesta sort of comes into the equation here. Um, and and really, I mean, he's he's Carolina's biggest target at that edge rusher position uh, that that was outside of of Simpson. So, do you really think this has an effect on it? Because to me, I don't think there's there's any question. It does not. I think Carolina with, with a guy that's you know a four star prospect like Nesta. The other thing with him that you have to take into account is what we talked about with Timothy Lawson. He is a pretty well regarded baseball prospect. Not at the level of Lawson. Lawson is, it, it, I mean, you throw a fastball 90 miles an hour uh, at that, you know, in high school, you're going to be pretty well regarded. But um, I, I still think, you know, Carolina, they they need to push hard for, for James Nesta in this class. Oh, I absolutely agree. And I, I think they're going to still recruit him. I don't think that they're necessarily done at the edge rusher position, have had other guys come in. Uh, Marcus Downs, as we mentioned, is another guy. They may be sort of waning for him. He may be looking at a little more of his options in the SEC. But James Nesta just does, you know, as another in-state guy, is a guy, you know, they brought in this past weekend. I, I don't think they're going to be done with him necessarily. And he's a guy that's being highly recruited by other schools, um, you know, mainly Miami and Oklahoma. So I, I don't think that they're necessarily done at the position, mainly as we've seen they're certainly fine with sort of recruiting a bunch of guys and letting the chips fall where they may in terms of the portal. And that's, you know, the mindset of a lot of schools nowadays is I, I can't, you know, hope on, you know, guys to stay the majority of the guys to stay for four to five years and develop into, you know, these prospects, they kind of need to figure it out in that first year or those first two years of what they're going to be. Um, if they're not playing, they're likely going to transfer uh, to schools either with other opportunities or maybe down to a lower level. And I, I mean, we have to find guys that can figure it out and play. So it, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they just want to have another guy there. And like you mentioned, a four-star prospect, a, a pretty good edge rusher. So you're definitely going to keep doing that. And then, you know, baseball is going to be a factor, not only with Timothy Lawson, like you mentioned, but with Nesta as well. And that's something that's always going to be in the back of your mind, like we mentioned with Lawson, it, it's probably going to lead to them continuing to recruit at his position tight end specifically, but it's just going to be one where, you know, it, it leads you to keep things a little bit more open than you would, or that you'd hope to with some of these prospects. It, you sort of have to be a little bit more fluid, a little bit, you know, ready to adapt at a moment's notice. And I think that North Carolina is taking that approach in regards to Nesta and probably just, you know, the position overall, uh, here over the next few weeks and months. 
Yeah, and the other guy that was that Carolina was looking at really probably more of a backup plan uh, if they didn't land Simpson for sure, uh, and then maybe even if they didn't land Nesta was uh, Tyshawn Reed Jr. out of the state of Georgia. He committed earlier this week to Duke, so he is off the table more than likely. I- I'm a pretty safe bet here uh, that he is not going to take his official visit, uh, which was scheduled for the final week of June. But uh, yeah, Carolina doing a really good job starting to land some of these guys. And look again, these are guys that are not exactly the headliners. They're not going to be guys that nationally people are going to be talking about, but it seems like they're, Again, the goal looks pretty clear here. We have gotten guys, and part of it is that they, you know, the results the last couple of years, and you know, 21 being six and seven alone is is an issue. Uh, Last year, yeah, nine and one star, but to lose four straight at the end of the year really took a lot of steam out of the season that they were having, probably hurting them a little bit. And then we've also talked about the issues that they've had with NIL. Part of it is probably that when it comes to them landing some of these other big names. But the other part of it, I think, is really just them trying to identify guys that fit what they want to do a little bit more rather than just trying to get the talent in here and sort of making it work. Because there, it feels like defensively especially, there were some of those guys. And the transition in defensive coordinators probably didn't help. But I really do think now Carolina is, is starting to try to recruit the types of guys that they think fit what they want to do. And while it may not be the sexiest group of guys, here's the thing that I'm going to say. If they win – I don't think any of us are going to care what their star ratings were at the high school level. Um, so I, 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 I really think if you turn on the film of some of these guys, you will be impressed with some of what they can do. You'll see some of the things that they have to work on, but you, you see guys that have the traits necessary. And again, you know, we talked about Nesta. Well, there's other guys that, it looks like Carolina is going to have a legitimate shot at here uh, that are worthy of being, you know, headliners, guys that are four-star prospects. A lot of them will visit in that final week. So I think that's what it was. This past weekend, a lot of three-star guys that were on campus. Tavani Mizell was the only guy that was not a three-star prospect that was on campus. But guys that are still going to help you build your class, the headliners could come in that final week uh, if Carolina is able to impress some of those guys. I still think there's a chance that they can end up landing another commitment here uh, probably tomorrow. I would say after that, that's that's probably going to be it because I know uh, for a fact that Cameron that, that Cameron Courtney, uh, he is going to be on campus starting on Thursday. So they'll probably turn their focus uh, to that visit and you know the rest of the weekend's visits. Uh, starting on Thursday, but you never know that you could get somebody else here. That could also sort of jumble up, you know, what this weekend potentially looks like if they land a commitment at one of those spots. So uh, we'll we'll have to keep an eye on that, but a pretty quiet weekend that will then set the stage for a huge weekend, uh, as we mentioned, in the final weekend of the month as Carolina looks to add uh, you know, some headliners to this class, some big-time prospects uh, that this class currently 
is lacking. But uh, and make sure that you guys uh, are keeping up with all of it over on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. That's where we've had you covered with breakdowns of all three of the guys that we just talked about. We have, you know, a look at them. I break them down even further than what I did here on the podcast, the things that I really like about their game, areas that I think they need improvement. And you can also look at some of those highlight, some of those stats uh, from their their past season, a little bit of background on them. I would definitely suggest if you have not checking out how ridiculous of a stat line that uh, Curtis Simpson put up last year. So make sure you guys are checking all of those out. Of course, we have each week, as I said earlier, I sort of told you a little bit about uh, the articles that I've been doing where I rank the uh, guys that are on campus in terms of Carolina's uh, chances to land them. It goes from least to best. So make sure that you guys are keeping an eye out for that. There, you know, this week's still very, very relevant. There are two, there are three guys that have committed already, um, but there are more guys on there that I think, you know, Carolina could be close to landing. So make sure you are checking those articles out whenever they come out. And then of course, Once we are done with the month of June, guys, we are a month away from August and the start of fall camp. Carolina then gets prepared uh, for a one-month sprint to the primetime kickoff against South Carolina. If you uh, didn't read it, make sure you go back and check out the article that sort of breaks down Carolina's primetime matchup to begin the season against South Carolina, the struggles that Carolina's had in these primetime games, How do they shake that off? You can check it out in that article over on the website. While you're there as well, make sure you check out both podcasts. There are tabs at the top of the page for both of them, or you can check them out wherever you listen to your podcast. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Zach for uh, hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tarius. Hey guys, Anthony here. We want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.